Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so let's take a look at these reviews. Hmm. Hmm. What the? Uh, hey, it's the Monster Fest special. I mean, come on, man. What's the point of me doing family-friendly stuff? I mean, like, I- I'm just not about that life, you know? I don't have any kids of my own yet, so my attitude doesn't necessarily need to change. As a matter of fact, I want to be off the chain. I want to be cutting edge. I mean, it's bad enough I made that deal with my dad so that I don't curse on the show anymore like I used to, even though I slip up here and again. But, you know, I changed the format a little bit. Let's see, can, to cater to a greater audience, try more family-friendly material. <laughs> all right, all right, challenge accepted. Because there's a lot of great stuff that is family-friendly for the holiday season, and Halloween included. And since we're getting closer to it, two weeks, I would say, let's go ahead and get started, because welcome to the J360 Monster Fest here on... J360 Radio. What's going on, J360 Legion? Welcome back to the J-Man Show, here for episode 122. It's been a long time coming, huh? Yeah, I'm sorry I've been away for a little bit. Uh, life gets in the way. Had to really take care of my college work, in addition to pulling some crazy shifts over at the day job. Needless to say, though, I haven't turned my back on the Monster Fest, and I definitely haven't turned my back on all of you. And, of course, you know, with family-friendly behavior, because that's what people all seemingly want things to be uh let me just go ahead and say this right yeah there are times i do talk about it but i don't delve into it that much because hey these uh moral guardians nowadays they ain't no better than you and me they ain't thinking about the children they're thinking about hey how can i skip on on not being a parent this week things like that you know like you'd be surprised how much hypocrisy comes into that like unless you're one of those that are still trying to uh pick it and pull apart the Joker movie for god knows what reason i thought it was a decent film i mean for super villain origin story maybe uh, i've seen everybody talk about mental health and all this you know we need to go ahead we need to we need to do something about mental health we need to be mental health activists and all that kind of stuff we need to build awareness yeah mm-hmm. awareness let's think about that for a minute awareness when you draw attention to something right now when it comes to actually solving that problem how are we doing on that side of the spectrum huh what's that we're not really solving anything everything's still a cluster like it is 
Ha! Well, keep up the good work, you selfish, one-note-playing bastards. <laughs> I mean, I just had to get it off my chest, man. I mean, because it is a good movie. And yes, there is a lot of psychosis in it, but that's what a lot of Batman villains are about, if you think about it. And I see it a lot. That movie broke records, making milestones, giving Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix more accolades to their names, and people still aren't satisfied. Oh, uh, maybe that has something to do with it being a white male lead. (laughs) Nah, that's another whole different argument right there. I'm sure that's part of the problem, though. Because, you know, we shouldn't have those anymore. And yes, I know this is supposed to be a family-friendly episode, but I still have to say it. You know, stop disrespecting and destroying these movies by just bringing a bunch of straw man arguments into them. I mean, like, when we just sit there, like, as filmmakers, our job is to tell a story and build a world. To get away from reality a little bit. You know, like, yeah, we'll take a look at certain things that are going on and probably try to draw you in using it. But at the same time, that shouldn't be, like, the main focal point there. But then again, modern-day feminism doesn't make any sense either. (laughs) But I digress. I'll have to go back into fighting the real fight after I'm done with the Monster Fest. Because quite a lot of that stuff do create monsters. And what I would like to talk about, first off, is some obscured things. Such as, well, Mr. Magoo isn't really obscured. But I took a good look at his Frankenstein special. And, you know, Frankenstein is my favorite book. It was a pretty good adaptation. I mean... He played a terrific Dr. Frankenstein. I mean, like, he had something to prove. He wanted to prove to all of his colleagues that he can create life. And you see, it gone horribly right. Because what he created there wasn't kind of like a monster that you felt too much sympathy for. He was made to look evil. Eventually, he went that way. It looked just like Skeletor. Like, if you ever get a chance sometime, like, go to some of those outlets out there and just put in, like, Dr. Frankenstein, no, Mr. Magoo's Frankenstein, and then you can watch some of this and really get a good look at it. The artwork is fantastic. And UPA is known for limited animation, too, but they went all out on that series. You know what I'm saying? And, you see, like, the thing about the Mr. Magoo um, special was is that he wasn't really nearsighted in there. They've really played it up to a serious tech. Especially in the famous adventures of Mr. Magoo. But that monster, though, like, you could feel for him a little bit. Because all he wanted to do was get out there and explore the world. And you know what it's like when you're out there and you look vastly different from other people. And how do they normally react? Like jerks. Pretty much just... Coming at the monster, throwing tomatoes at it, or, or or even coming up there with the knives and, well, not knives, but axes, pitchforks, uh, all that kind of stuff. And the monster just accidentally wound up over there. He, he didn't know that they weren't going to accept him back. You know what I'm saying? If anything, much like how you look at Arthur Fleck from Joker, you can kind of see that he was in a world that would not accept him for who he was. Like, if you think about it, his environment and his upbringing was just tragic. And then if you look at the monster in this Frankenstein special, or any Frankenstein-based property, you can kind of see that that monster didn't ask to be created. He was created to push the ambitions of someone that bit off a little too much more than what they could chew. And it worked. You see what I'm saying? 
sure, after you get the awards and stuff, are you going to take care of this human being? Is this human being going to live on its own? Like, what exactly are you going to do with this being you created? That's what you should always ask. Because whether you got kids or whether you're raising your nephews or you're taking care of a ward of the state, all that kind of stuff, that's kind of the way it is. There's life there. You got to help take care of it. And you see the monster was made out of various body parts. And in some cases it had the brain of a killer or in other cases it had the brain of something, you know, maladjusted. And the fact that it gets mistreated even more by the people and the environments around it because the people that are around it don't understand or know how to react to it. It makes you wonder whether who the real monster is because that thing didn't ask to be born. And even while it's still living and moving about, I always wondered this. Does the Frankenstein monster have a soul? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, really think about it. Does, does it have a soul? I mean, you, you know it has a heart. But hell, even Edward Scissorhands had a heart. It was a cookie heart, but he had a heart. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot to deal with when you go into those ideals. Especially when it comes to creating life. And then there are times where you look at the monster. The monster didn't start getting real, real villainous until it had enough. And you know there's a lot of people out there, just like what the Joker said, you get what you deserve. It's not impossible, but I've noticed this. A lot of people are like, hey, let's be nicer to the weirdos now because, because you know what? I'm just trying to save myself. I don't want to be attacked once he snaps and all that kind of stuff. And the truth is, is that, you know what? While that might be true <laughs> in some cases, in other cases, you should have just been nice in general. You should have just been more open. But people don't understand that nowadays. I mean, they walk around here and talk about accepting others, but I guarantee behind closed doors they say a lot of wild stuff too. And when the monsters start to revolt against those tormentors, who is the real monster at that point? But you see, this monster was very heinous too because it was smart in addition to learning how Dr. Frankenstein created life. So it started to create more copies of itself and then terrorize the whole landscape. And then Dr. Frankenstein, played by Mr. Magoo, had to put a stop to it, and he did. Both the monster and the doctor did die. So that was done right. Does it hold a candle to the original novel? Well, you're asking for a bit much. I mean, it is only like, what, a 30-minute cartoon. So while you're at it, you know, you, you look at it, you're like, it does right for what it's supposed to do, especially when it's based on a public domain property. And, uh, you know, I've noticed a lot of people do get mad about this. Like, they, well, they get mad about the most minor things anyway, when, like, the monster is called Frankenstein. I've said this last year. That was based off of clever marketing from Universal. The picture was called Frankenstein, but you did not see the picture of the doctor. You saw the picture of the monster. And the thing is, it became much like how trends in Twitter become. They're not just trends anymore. They become what the public knows and what the public adapts and how the public makes that the franchise star. A lot of people forget about the doctor. So in doing so, it kind of sticks. And if you're and if you really want to be um, brutally honest in a way, Frankenstein did create the monster, which ergo makes the monster technically his son or daughter, considering Frankenstein creates a woman. That has happened too. It's technically son or daughter, so it does carry on the last name. So it makes sense in context, if you put it that way. But for this sake, you know, we're, we're going to stick to the doctor being Frankenstein, of course. 
Yeah, but other than that, it was a pretty good adaptation. But it wasn't the only adaptation I saw. I took the time to go ahead and revisit Monster House while I was at it. Monster House will always be a classic for me. I mean, like, the fact that, you know, it embodies the spirit, a restless spirit of another tormented soul who was mistreated by her peers and was a circus sideshow freak. And, you know, she managed to find salvation in the guy who pretty much built a house for her. But because she just couldn't, just didn't want to leave those kids alone that was attacking the house, she ends up falling into her own grave with cement over her and become possesses the foundation of the house, among everything else. It was it was pretty pretty decent. It was it was a sad tale, you know. And then those three kids came along and had to save the day. I would go into it more, but I did cover it last year. But I always revisit Monster House. A lot of people revisit Nightmare Before Christmas. I usually do that during the Christmas season, but that's still a good one too. But um, I always I always revisit Monster House. That that's that's just pretty much one for Jay, you know. And then of course you got Charlie Brown. The Great Pumpkin, as many times as you want to see, like, Linus freeze himself to death in a... You know, I always wondered that, like... Charles Schultz was ahead of his time, man, because the fact that this young boy, who should be near... Who should be on his way out of fourth grade, right, believes in the fact that a giant pumpkin flies through the pumpkin patch and gives gifts to everyone. It is the most ridiculous thing. Even at 32, you just can't help but laugh at that kind of stuff because it's, it's, it's hilarious. And the fact that he had Charlie Brown's sister out there too, and they thought that the great pumpkin rising up was the great pumpkin, but it turned out to be Snoopy. Oh my god. I can watch that again forever, too. And luckily, though, I managed to get a box set. It was the 60s pack where I could go ahead and look at it anytime I want to, along with um, the Thanksgiving special and the Christmas special. But you guys don't have to worry about that, though, because that's always a tradition for CBS. They'll show it every year. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, as I visited that, I went over to... Actually, I went over to the Monsters franchise from Pixar. Like, you know, Monsters, Inc., Monsters University. I mean, if you're not showing these to your kids right now, you know, what are you showing them exactly? Like, get them to watch some of the adventures of Mike Wazowski and Sully. Like, start with Monsters University first because, you know, it's a prequel. But then you go ahead into Monsters, Inc., and, you you know, it's just like they really need to make a third one. I think they need to make a... Well, okay, okay, maybe a second prequel, maybe, because... You know, uh, let's see, the third one, that's when they started using the laughing instead of the screaming. So, I- I'm just thinking, like, yeah, maybe they should go ahead and make a second prequel or something. But either way, they still haven't made a Bug's Life 2 yet. And then also, there is the um, DreamWorks horror stuff. Like, from... Hey, actually, are we going to get that Monsters vs. Alien sequel? Or even Megamind? Uh, yeah, Megamind deserves a sequel. Because he ended up becoming an anti-hero of sorts. Why not? You know, there's plenty of franchises that they could work with. But then also they got um, they got that abominable snowman uh, story coming along too. Hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe DreamWorks will get it together. Unless they're still riding that Shrek money. Because I heard there was supposed to be a fifth one of that coming. Or like this reboot or something like that. And Shrek doesn't need a reboot. It just needs to be aired every time during Thanksgiving. But he counts too for Halloween. After all, the misadventures of a giant ogre. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, he does count. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Think about it. He counts. And then, of course, you know, his talking donkey pal and everything else. I mean, after all, who doesn't dress up as those characters during Halloween? And which reminds me, I need to go ahead and pick up a big thing of candy from the uh, day job this uh, year. Yeah, I think I should go ahead and get involved in my community a little bit. You know, hand out candy. Be a respectful man of the community. Just be like, yeah, here you go. Yep, take it here. Get out. Shoo. Whatever. Oh, oh, okay. That's a nice costume you got on. Yeah, here you go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, you got to understand. That's totally me out there um, every time I go to work or whatever. It's just the way I am, guys, you know. It's not because um, I have problems interacting with society. I agree with that years ago. The reason is I just don't like dealing with people from time to time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm the only one with that problem, though. And, of course, um, see, considering that I am a very, very in-depth animation collector, I also have a box set of black and white cartoons. Cartoons that are so politically incorrect, they will never get a chance to be shown. Not even on, like, retro stations. They would be scared to show these because of some of the blatant racism, some of the crazy cartoon violence, which they are cartoons and they're allowed to be violent. You know, that's when you as a parent need to say, hey, you don't get to do blunt force trauma. They do. But you see, like, this one I saw it was called The Snowman. And it dealt with an Eskimo kid and his friends during one of the biggest snowfalls of the season, which is interesting because they're out there in an Arctic area anyway. But it's one of the biggest snowfalls of the season. So they decided to go ahead and make a snowman. And they ended up making this snowman, which... He was anatomically correct in certain spots because he had a booty crack. And not only that, I think there might have been some dong there. But it, pro it probably was just like this little blip that appeared on the, on the film. But this snowman wasn't exactly a friendly snowman. He was wondering why the hell he was awake and he was going to destroy anybody who tried to talk to him or whatever. And I mean, he was crazy. And he had this wicked laugh. And it was, oh, God, I wish I had the sound clip of it. But he, he it was it was vicious you know like how you watch roger rabbit and judge doom's voice like it's not pretty much this imagery of what you see but it's what you hear that pierces your voice yeah that little significance right there this snowman could beat him with the with whatever the hell that kind of voice it had it was creepy it was weird it was after those those animals and that eskimo kid they wouldn't have made it if they didn't try to melt him there for a little bit what happened was they used like a hot spring to melt them. And it turned out that at the core of it, there was something moving around and it was a fish. It was an evil fish the whole time. And it laughed just like him and stuff. So <laughs> it makes sense. In the, it was the thirties. Give it that. It was the thirties. It makes sense for the thirties. Like this evil fish. And it started laughing just like him in the end. And then it went off. Yeah, you didn't really get no resolution back in those days. I mean, pretty much, you know, waking monster, monster destroys everything. Then monster goes, gets defeated by whomever the main hero is. And that's it. Wild stuff, man. Wild stuff. But also, you know, I was looking at um another animated feature, too, that had... You know, they don't own this anymore. Well, they kind of disowned it. See, a long time ago, Disney was trying to bring Mickey Mouse back into theaters. 
with you know with a whole line of shorts and everything. And you see this particular short. I don't know if it's safe to talk about it, but I'm gonna do it anyway because it's the J Man Show. It was called Runaway Brain, and it was when like Mickey had to go do service for this um, Doctor Frankenstein archetype. I think his name was Frankencolly, who was creating a monster named Julius that looked a lot like you know his old enemy Pete. But you see, the thing about it is, is that Mickey didn't sign up for the job to be the cleaner. Mickey signed up to be the donor. And you see, once he was strapped in that machine and he became the monster, his mind got into Julius's body where the monster mind got into his body. I mean, it was a very intense short. It was like a, um, dare I say it, it was reminiscent of the one that he made called, um, the Mad Doctor, where the Mad Doctor was trying to cut Pluto's brain out. Yeah, it was a black and white one, obviously. So, you know, because, like, as soon as Mickey went into color, Mickey became more of, like, I'm an everyman sort of character. And it was like, mm, no. But back in the day, when he used to fight you on your own terms and stuff, and things were a lot more loose with cartoons, the Mad Doctor was pretty much one of the most sadistic, dark Mickey cartoons. Next to him fighting the Phantom Blot. But going into Runaway Brain, though, things did get resolved. But I don't want to go into it too much because I'd rather you all, like, dig it up and look for it yourselves. Because you guys are part of the J360 Legion. That's what you all do, right? Like, say, like, if any of the content creators get too big for themselves, I mean, you all go and check out stuff anyway. So, yeah, go look up Runaway Brain and take a good look and see how you like it. Now... If those of you out there are kids and you're listening to this show, how you doing? But I also want to say this. I am not liable or responsible for whatever the hell you do to your parents. You understand that? Nope, don't say J-Man did it because I'll sit right there. I'll be like, no, I didn't. And I got enough clout and clairvoyance. And you heard the disclaimer at the beginning of the show. So there you go. I ain't got no kids of my own yet, so I'm not changing my behavior. But if that calf does drop, then I might have to shift things a little bit. You know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, back in the day, though, as a matter of fact, I think Cool World was originally supposed to be a horror film. It, it, It still dealt with the same principle of a man mating with a cartoon, which was odd in itself. I mean, let the person dabble in watercolors if they need to. But you see, the child or the offshoot that came from that little relationship, that thing was supposed to evolve and become some sort of a killer. And it was supposed to chase after the parents and kill them. You know what I mean? For one, committing an act of sin, and two, for disowning it. Which actually makes sense in context. But you see, when, I think it was either Paramount or Universal, but when, let's just say Paramount, I think it was Paramount. When Paramount got their hands on the rights of it, they, man, they just messed that whole thing up. I mean, for what I read of Ralph Bakshi's notes, he had a pretty good idea going. And, you know, he is actually one of the people that would push animation to be much more than just entertainment for children. You see what I'm saying? And, you know, even to this day, we could still push the limits of animation, and we kind of do. I mean, there are some things in animation where... You see, like, different stunts happen. You see, like, different actions go on. You know, you see, like, how the story becomes darker. Like, even with Don Bluth, like, if I could, man, if I had Ralph Bakshi's 
artistic style and Don Bluth's um, story design style. Oh my God. Well, it's not to say that I couldn't achieve it, but still, it's like you got to make sure you have other people that are on the same page with you. And, you know, you can throw in some Miyazaki storytelling in there too, some magic from that. And you got to go picture. Granted, it's going to be independent because some people are going to feel like, oh, oh, well, you know. Oh, um, this is a little too graphic, a little too dark for kids. What are they going to learn out of it? Hey, a long time ago, in eons past, back in the day, fairy tales used to be what was here for kids. And it wasn't always mystical and magical. They were there, but they were dark as hell. They were gothic. They were, like, enough to just scare the pants off you. You know, to keep you under control. You know what I mean? Back in the day, you used to just get scared of living hell out of people. You didn't have to try. You could do it. And see, nowadays, people say they're so desensitized. I just say it's because people are not trying as they used to. You know what I'm saying? Even if you're sitting right there and you're showing them, like, say, Freddy or Jason or even Chucky or, you know, showing them anything that you could show them, but it's still like, yeah, you know? You're already too bold enough. I don't need to make you even more bold. There's always a way to scare people. And some people also say, like, you know, the horror genre dies because of that. I had an associate in this company at one time. Seems like I always have an associate in this company that I'm at odds with. But I argue with everybody, so he ain't nothing special. But the truth is, when he was in this group, he would always have a gripe about something, saying like, Oh, we, we, we can't do this because, you know, people aren't getting scared like that anymore. It's like, yeah, but you wanted to do a zombie movie. How many people do you know are actually scared of zombies anymore? I mean, if you really think about it, you got like, Scooby-Doo did several zombie movies. I mean, that's not to say that it didn't soften the blow, but when you really think about it, which, by the way, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island was damn good. But it's not to say, like, you know, if you're going to go that route, then you might as well just talk about every other film that's being made in the horror genre and say, like, there's no originality there, which is a tired argument because there is originality there. You just have to keep on looking for it. And the thing is, kids are always looking for a scare, especially when you got scary stories to tell in the dark. One, two, and three. God, I wish there was a fourth book of those. And then you got also Fright Time. You got Goosebumps. You got uh, the Fear Street stories. Basically, anything out there that deals with horror and the younger kids, they're out there. They exist. But you just can't go on ahead and say, like, kids are not getting scared like that anymore. And then want to go ahead and do a zombie picture. You know what I'm saying? That's just disingenuous. And not only that, I'm getting tired of meeting people like that, man. The more and more I see everybody who has an excuse of why they can't do certain things, and it's not just because of production quality, and it's not just because of practical effects or any of this other or, or any of these other limitations. The limitations are supposed to make you more creative. Like, you know, there are times where on the Twilight Zone, Rod Sterling worked with what he had, and he only had like three people on the cast. And he made it work. You know what I'm saying? And and the sad part is, it's like, we, all of us here, in this year of our Lord, 2019, we always talk about how we're running low on budget. 
or or how we have no budget or how you know everything is just a concern and and you know it's like people don't allow themselves to create or they don't want to work but they do want to go to a party huh Want to go to an after party? Want to go and have people glorify them? Put their name up there with uh, Taika Waititi and all these other modern day directors and all that kind of stuff. I, I wouldn't care if I rubbed elbows with them. I would nod with them and you know talk to them, but then I would go about my own way because if I was building a franchise, I'd like to spend time with that franchise a little bit. You see what I'm saying? And I say that a lot too. <laughs> it's a verbal tick, y'all. But it's the truth. I mean, after a while, the more and more people I meet while being on this particular journey of mine, especially as I rebuild the team and especially as I keep trying to find newer people to be a part of it, which isn't hard to do. It's just they got to know that they're going to put in some work, too, and should be experimenting with a lot of different things. Not worrying about a zombie picture, not worrying about who your monster is. You should already know what that is, but a story that you can tell. And as for family friendly, don't be afraid to push the envelope a little bit. You know, just like that movie Nine. A lot of people thought because Nine was animated that Nine was actually a kid's movie. Boy, were you all wrong. That movie was about survival, war, death. I mean, hell, I think, what, four of the puppets actually survived in that movie. And almost all the scary tones that took place in that. Especially when it's the desolation of Earth. Whew, that was not a kid's movie at all. And it was done well, too. I mean, I, every everybody played their role, even though one got on my nerves a little bit. But you got to understand, one was like the leader of all that kind of stuff. And when you're the leader, you have a lot of responsibility. And there are times where, you know, you're just held back by all these things that are around you to the point where you try to change it up on how to solve this problem. But you have that newest one. That comes around. It's very curious. And always wants to take action. Which is nine. So you can see where the difficulty between the two were. That's a good one for uh, Halloween. Thing is though. Depending on who or how your kids can take this kind of stuff. I mean. Eh, it's a bit much you know. But it was very intense. But it was intense for the right reasons. Because it was in a war zone. But it's just like, I mean, I could also say the same thing about ants. But then again, I'm going off topic on that one. But so far, you know, like what I have named for you all pretty much best represents the season so far. And, of course, I managed to get something cool in the mail not too long ago. Everybody's favorite ghost is on DVD. And I'm not talking about those movies. But Casper the Friendly Ghost has his entire animation catalog on DVD right now. Yep, everything from when he was... Roaming around, befriending the animals, to when he's hanging out with Cousin Spooky and um, and Wendy the Good Witch and all that cool stuff. Like, all those things. He even had a horse. You know, throughout all this time, I didn't know that Casper had a horse, but he had a horse named Nightmare. Huh. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's yeah, I'm still kind of, I'm like, wild by that. But you got to understand, these cartoons haven't been seen in, like, years. And it can, you can kind of tell because there are times where it's like, oh, really? You know, like if you look at an old Popeye cartoon, you can see why that cartoon will never be on TV ever again. Some of the Casper films are like that, especially the first three, because the first three, they're always like on any sort of old cartoon collection that you find because they're in the public domain. 
But if you did what I did and actually got the set, when you sit back and you watch it and you see the evolution of the character, you know, it was pretty cool for its time. But, you know, like, I will warn you, though, like, the first cartoons that were made with him, they were pretty much like the same damn cartoon. <laughs> I mean, you know, he ends up making friends after one cartoon, but in the next cartoon, he's back being lonely again. So it make you it make you wonder, like, damn, he it's not the way he go about making friends. It's the fact that he can't keep them. And the movies are notorious for that, too, because I think, what, in uh, the 1995 Casper, which we'll talk about some other time, he made friends with Cat. Then there was the movie that came called A Spirit of Beginning, which you can't really throw too many stones at because it's a prequel. But it's supposed to be giving him some... Or- which totally wiped out the continuity that was represented in the 95 Casper film. And then you got Casper Meets Wendy, which is a sequel to A Spirit of Beginning, but there's no mention of his previous friend at all in that. I think it was a boy named Chris in uh, Spirit of Beginning. I was like, huh. Well, hell, I mean, if you hold on to that, then there would be no reason for Casper to actually go around and do what he does. So, I can understand why the other person will be arbitrary, I, I suppose. So, we just assume that they move away. You know, but I gotta admit, though, looking at this set now, it just makes me realize why I like Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's cool as he's cool as hell. And then not to mention all the comics that came out there, too. I need to go to a comic book store. Because I got a lot of money and I got a lot of time. So I'm willing to spend it on getting some good reading material. And before you laugh, there are some great Halloween comics you should check out. Some based on different properties such as The Walking Dead or um, The Walking Dead. I think Tremors had a comic at one time. And I know Chucky did. The Leprechaun did. Friday the 13th, The Evil Dead, all those. Yeah, they have comics. But there's also several ones that, like, um, Tomb, Tomb of Dracula, which later gave us Blade as a main hero, or anything with Blade in it. The Morbius comics are good. And then, of course, you have, there's another one. They want to make a movie out of that, too, over at Marvel Studios. Werewolf by Night. Yeah, you guys have got to check him out. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty sick. But since we got Moon Knight coming, we got Blade coming, it's only a matter of time before like every single one of these things become their own property, and I just can't wait. But yeah, there's a lot of horror comics out there. There's a lot of great stuff to look into. Let the blood and the creepiness just invoke all over you, man. Throughout every piece of medium. And of course, I was reading one of the Goosebump books, the especially the Give Yourself Goosebumps kind, you know, the ones that take you on your own adventure. I could not escape Horrorland to save my own ass. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there was one time I ended up turning into a creep. Then there was another time where I ended up getting ate by the alligator. And, you know, I managed to make it to an exit. But it was an exit that took me right back in the park. So, apparently, in Choose My Own Adventure, I, I'm ass. Because <laughs> I can't escape Horrorland at all. But I'm going to try it again one day, and who knows, maybe I'll live stream it for you all. Maybe. Because next thing you know, is if, if I die early within like the five pages there, because it is possible to do that. You can have an early exit. If I do fall in that trap, I mean, just say it's a mulligan and we'll move on to the next one. But outside of all that, though, I talked your ear off enough. It might have seemed like I was grasping at straws there for a little bit, but I never grasp at straws. I intentionally do all of this. But, 
Until then, I'm going to go ahead and watch Monsters University. You all take care of yourselves. This is part of a double special. We're going to have another episode come along tomorrow night as well. And we're going to be looking into the classic lycanthropes that you know of as werewolves. But until then, this is the J-Man signing off. It's good to be back. And you all take care of yourselves, okay? Peace. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute. If you feel you're carrying too much of it, you're not alone. The average household in the U.S. carries over $8,000 in credit card debt. Ready for some good news? With a cash-out refinance from Quicken Loans, you can quickly and easily put some of the equity in your home to good use by paying off a lot of that high-interest credit card debt. A great way to take cash out is with our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN to learn how taking cash out with a 30-year fixed mortgage might be the right solution for you. And for a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. At Dunkin', the flavors of pumpkin are back in a big way. We're talking pumpkin donuts, pumpkin muffins, pumpkin munchkins donut holes. Oh boy, pumpkin coffee, pumpkin iced coffee, pumpkin frozen coffee, pumpkin lattes, and the exciting new cinnamon sugar pumpkin signature latte, which has got sugar and spice and everything nice. Phew, it's pumpkin flavored everything at Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. Oh, and pumpkin K-Cup pods too. Limited time offer. Participation may vary. Keurig and K-Cup used under license.